Welcome back to the Suresh podcast. In the last episode, we heard how the Sikhs killed Gerard, how his son named Ratanchand met with Chandu's son named Karmchand, how they were scheming, making a plan to kill or capture Guru Hargobind. Gerard's son, Ratanchand, had a close friend who was the leader of the Jalandhar region, a general, and their plan was to go to him and drag him into this conflict. So chapter 30 now begins with these false, fake slanderers of the Guru meeting at night in such distress. So Ratanchand at that point, with much sadness, said to Karamchand, Listen to how my father was killed. We were sitting peacefully in our home, and the Guru came randomly to our village. He dismounted there, understanding our area to be very beautiful. The very next day, he started constructing a fort there. He was going around saying that he would make a new city here. My father heard this and went there to tell him, Who made you the landowner of this area? Who did you purchase this land from? Did you ask anybody? Both the owner, me, and the people of this village are not happy with this arrangement. Shah Jahan ultimately is the ruler of the land here. Acquiring, taking land will have to go through him. So he said this, but the Guru didn't listen to any of that. Just hearing the name of the emperor, the Guru then started swearing at my own father. They grabbed him, killed him, threw him down the river. The Guru did this all with no fear in his mind for anyone. Now they are stacking up a fort there and putting their own name on the town. Now we will have to make some type of plan to kill him. And the plan, which will need your support, is this. I have a friend who is general of this province, the Suba of Jalandhar. I've never asked him for anything else, so I think he'll listen to us. Let's go to him in the morning, and I will tell him everything. If he goes with us, with his army against Guru Hargobin, then we'll either capture or kill him. We'll both go to him and request his support that the Guru has done such a vile act against both of us. Listening to this, Karamchand was super happy. He loved the plan. And he said, when we both go and tell him of our state, he'll right away mount up against Guru Hargobind, taking with him a large army. This general settles all matters in this area. Whoever oppresses people, who is heavy-handed with people, this is the commander would go there and stop them. What else would happen when we tell them this? They'll immediately become enraged and they will act on it. The Guru took land and killed the owner. If they don't act on this, all justice will go away. The whole region will spark up in rebellion and be uprooted. The Guru will now set up his fort and resist in a pitched battle and will pester and block all the villages near that area. So this is how they were talking um, and they both fell asleep. They woke up the next morning. Meanwhile, in the court of that region, so that Suba, meaning that province of Jalandhar, that district. Side note here, that district or province had its own leader, commander, who would maintain troops under the Mughal Empire. Jalandhar Suba, or province region, had its own, who would be subordinate under Shah Jahan, the emperor. He was like the leader of that region, who was also a military commander. So back to the text. In the court of Jalandhar region, which was large and had many ministers in it, the leader was seated there, and his name was Abdul Khan. Both Karamchand and Ratanchand went into the court and called out asking for support, saying, Our father has been killed. The Guru acted in a great, vicious manner, in anger, took our land as well, without any fear at all. They have now begun constructing a fort there. He will put up resistance fighting and has such arrogance in his heart that he's spreading across the region. 
Abdul Khan heard this and then replied, saying, Tell me further, why did you kill your father? What happened there in terms of giving, taking, receiving there? Who was at fault? Why did he grab your father and kill him? Karam Chand then replied, saying, They just do as they please. They aren't afraid of anybody. In the month of Jait, they did this vile act, fighting against the emperor himself, killing thousands there in Amritsar. He stole the hawk of the emperor and snuck out of Amritsar, coming to this region, to the village of Rohilla, which is known through all regions. He stole all the land there and is now constructing a fort there. When Kerr went there to stop him, he was grabbed and killed, thrown into the river. He had no fear of Shah Jahan at all. And now he's not afraid of you either. They killed him and are just going to do what they want. One day he'll fight against you too. And then you won't have any way to control him or act against him. Now we should go and capture him or kill him. It'll be easy. If we delay, they'll add supplies. They'll add fortifications. It'll be much harder. There will be many reasons why it'll be disadvantageous to us to do so. At the moment though, they don't have many troops in their army, but it's growing day by day. And they'll add to their supplies too. He's already killed the general Mughal Khan battle, so we should quickly go and capture him while he's alive. If they fight, well, let's kill him. The emperor will be so pleased with you when you take the hawk from him and present it to the emperor. They'll grant you even a higher rank when you get back their priceless hawk. You have such a large army with you as well, so go into the battlefield and obtain victory. If you capture Guru Hargobind, then you'll be greatly rewarded by the emperor. He's such a great enemy of the emperor, and everything will be made right if you kill him. Abdul Khan heard this and then started his calculations, the pros and cons of it all. He came to the belief that it would be very advantageous to capture Guru Hargobind and receive the approval and further blessings from Shah Jahan. Also, that these are his friends who came to speak with him with this task and that he should help out on this righteous task. That if he captures the hawk of Guru Hargobind and presents it to the emperor, that he would obtain even a higher rank than what he's at now. That he would quickly and easily obtain victory as well. So why would he not fight in such a small, minor battle? So at that point, he asked his close advisors and they all told him, listen, how is Guru Hargobind supposed to fight back? They only have a small amount of troops with them, these worthless six. Many of them died in the previous battle. The Divine has blessed you greatly with this opportunity, randomly coming to you. He's a big enemy of the Emperor, and you can go capture him or kill him. Why would the Emperor not be delighted and pleased with you? Now it's going to be easy for you. Why are you even asking? We should go quickly and obtain victory. So this is what the close advisors to Abdul Khan said. At that point, they all made a plan, and Abdul Khan made the proclamation, the command. Mobilize the army. Sound off the drums. Distribute great amounts of gunpowder and bullets. Whatever supplies the army needs, give it to them. Prepare the army in every manner. So the messengers, the men of Abdul Khan scattered here and there, getting the army ready. The battle drums are sounding off. They called all their battalion leaders. Abdul Khan's various generals they all met with Abdul Khan and spoke very sweetly with them, giving them the highest weapons, clothing, as gifts. Abdul Khan said to them, Come now, mount up quickly without any delay, get your troops ready. So these generals, then they all got their quivers, their arrows, their spears, bows, guns, pistols, which would sound off so wonderfully. They had countless bullets, 
and as much gunpowder as they wanted. Taking it to their soldiers, they all got ready. Various types of swords were distributed to soldiers. These swords, their handles, they were dripped in gold. They had such expensive shields with them as well. The entire army got fully strapped up. Abdul Khan was so happy, uplifted about it all, looking at his army. He was so enthusiastic about the upcoming battle. He was thinking, what's the Guru's army in front of such a fine force? We'll either capture him or kill him if he doesn't run away. So they left Jalandar city. They sounded off the battle drums. All the warriors were mounted up. The sound of the drums traveled through the sky like clouds. Their weapons were glistening like lightning. The bullets were like rain immersed in the clouds. And the Sikh army was like the ripe field which the clouds were going to rain down on. But the Guru's arrows would be like that wind which would take the clouds far away. The great army of Abdul Khan was traveling forward in great enthusiasm, shouting out, kill the Guru, kill the Guru. But as they looked around, they all saw inauspicious signs. And the wise who saw them, they started to get a little bit worried. They began to doubt their endeavors. They were facing firstly against the wind. The wind was hitting them face on. They also saw a herd of deer cross the road from the wrong side. The horses were crying. They had tears coming down from their eyes. And in the sky above, they saw vultures circling, hovering over top. They were yapping and hissing in the sky. On the way, their horses were just randomly falling down at times. And they also saw some dirty pigs along the way. In front of them, they saw people carrying wood on their heads. They saw donkeys ahead. These donkeys were braying. It's the sound that a donkey makes, that hee-haw sound. All of these signs signified that their death was slowly approaching. The drums started to lose their fervor. They sounded light and sad. Everybody anticipated now that something bad was coming. Along with Abdul Khan was Ratan Chand, Gerr's son. Along with them was Karam Chand, Chandu's son. Abdul Khan asked Ratan Chand, So where is the fort they are constructing? How tall is it by now? How many troops do they have? Ratan Chand replied, what are they even in front of your forces? I know that when they even see this massive force of yours, they will just run away. They are so small in size. It's like we are flour and they are salt. So it's a trope that's used a lot when describing size differences when making roti or other type of bread in the atta, in the flour, you put just a pinch of salt there. So there's a massive amount of flour, atta, versus just a little bit of salt. So Ratanchand continues, the divine Khoda has been so graceful to you. So the army traveled down the path like a tsunami. This massive wave was streaming forth. It's like how Jarasan called his friend Gal Yaman, who brought a large army to fight Krishna. Abdul Khan is like that Gal Yaman fighting against Gruhargavan. Or it's like how Ravan's brother fought against Ramchandra with 14,000 troops. This army of Abdul Khan totaled 15,000 soldiers all on the finest of horses. These Malaysian barbarians were drinking alcohol and all along the path, Abdul Khan kept asking and saying, where is the Guru? In clashing with him, we'll capture him or kill him. How are they even gonna fight against us? Who would come in front of us? In just a moment, we would destroy the enemies. My army is so vast and at the ready, who can stop us now? So just like the king, Sagar, who had the arrogance of his 60,000 kids, who didn't think anybody else was like him, had his entire lineage destroyed just in an instance. 
this is how Abdul Khan, the other fools, were rolling up against Guru Hargobind. All along the way, they were shouting out slogans to pump them up, drinking wine all along the way as well. They were very drunk. While holding their rifles, they were also handling the reins of their horses and making them jump. They had very large drums with them and massive horns. These soldiers were strapped with the finest of clothing and weaponry. Very loudly, the toll drums were being played. The warriors were singing out in beautiful voices, pumping each other up. And this is how the army was traveling down the path like a massive storm from the mountains flowing into the plains. The double beats were being played on the drums and the sounds of the drums could be heard from miles. They were all arriving now close to Ruhela and their vicious, dirty thoughts, they established their positions. Amongst all the soldiers, the leader, Abdul Khan, was looking at his army in such pride. They were on the east side of the Bias River at this point and he called for boats to take them across to the west side. So they quickly got all the boatmen together they gave these uh, boatmen money uh, to get the soldiers across from the east to the west where Rahila was to commence the second battle of Guru Hargobind's life. And this is how chapter 30 concludes. In the next chapter, we're going to hear of the preparations before war by Guru Hargobind and the Sikhs. So that's what we're going to pick up next time. But as always, I'd like to thank those who've been supporting the podcast through the Mangalacharan Patreon page. Gauga Jarke,